Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. It comes with a 20-year warranty. And a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. We ignore Quebec, uh, we Anglos, and that's a shame because it's fucking bonkers. It's like its own planet, and the things that happen on that planet are insane. Take Pierre Carl Pelado, who is this guy? Who is PKP? Okay, well, let's let's look at Fox News first, okay? Fox News in the States, the conservative cable network, that was started by a guy named Roger Ailes, lifelong Republican, a media consultant for Richard Nixon back in the day. So that makes sense, right? Well, Sun News TV, the conservative cable channel here in Canada, Fox News North, where you'll find conservative party talking points on display every day, Ezra Levant Station, that was launched by this guy, Pierre Colpelladeau. Why is that strange? Uh, because the Carl is for Karl Marx. Uh, it was originally spelled with a C. Pierre Carl Pelado changed it to Carl with a K in honor of Karl Marx. And he has just announced his candidacy for the Parti Québécois, the union-embedded separatist Parti Québécois. That's the guy responsible for Sun News TV. This is Canada's last real media baron. He has a tight grip on just about everything that happens 
culturally, journalistically in the province of Quebec. And he may soon be the guy offering you your wireless service. His company, Videotron, has stepped in, bought a bunch of Spectrum, and is set to challenge the oligarchs in Canada. And with his new candidacy in a few weeks, if he is elected, if the PQ gets a majority, he may be setting this country on a one-way road to a referendum and possibly to Quebec sovereignty. Pierre Carpellado has been called the king of Quebec by my guest today, Martin Patrickin. Marty, you may remember from his infamous article, a cover story from McLean's on how Quebec is the most corrupt province in the country, an article which earned him the honor of official censure, a rebuke from the Parliament of Canada. I think it's only the second article that Parliament has actually made a statement decrying. Whatever you think of his opinions, I think that fact alone is to Martin's credit as a journalist, and he's going to join me in a moment. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. Canada Land is sponsored by FreshBooks.com. FreshBooks is the world's best cloud accounting service. It makes billing painless. And if you are a small business, if you're a freelancer or a contractor like me, and if you're still sending invoices from Microsoft Word or from Excel, you should really think about signing up for a free trial at FreshBooks.com. Tell them I sent you. Try it out for yourself, and I think you will quickly see that this is the best way to handle your invoices, your expenses, and your taxes. FreshBooks.com. Who the hell is this guy? He is a very enigmatic, giant iceberg of a man, the sire of the Quebecor media empire. 
who took over from his dad and made Quebecor into a sort of a digital behemoth in Quebec. And he basically runs half its media and is responsible for the vast amount of the content produced that's on Quebec television shows, television, movies, God, he goes with wireless internet, all sorts of stuff, you know? So he's, uh, he's the man. I mean, I, I don't like comparisons to, you know, Rupert Murdoch or anything like that, because that's, you know, that's another level entirely. But I mean, it's the closest thing we have to a Rupert Murdoch in Quebec. He almost reads like pre-Rupert Murdoch. He reads like Citizen Kane or something, you know, like, <laughs> like he, he owns the papers and the press that they're printed on. He owns the TV shows and the cable network that those are delivered through. Like it's just total integration, total like old school media baron. His dad was an old school media baron too. The difference is, is that Pierre Carpellito is an old school media baron for the digital age. He was, uh, look at everybody, a lot of people criticize him, but he did some things that were very, very interesting. He was, you know, he was one of the first people in Canada, I would argue, that sort of saw the decline of print and the importance of multiple platforms of delivery in terms of content. He took Videotron, which at the time was a sort of a moribund cable service that was beset by all sorts of uh, labor woes and it had terrible customer service and stuff. He essentially broke the union there and uh, turned it into this content machine. People that inherit money from their parents, as a lot of people say, you know, he's born with a silver spoon in his mouth and all that kind of stuff. People who do who do have that, you know, the prototypical sire of, of uh, a person who inherits money isn't doesn't, doesn't see that far ahead, doesn't sort of do much with his money. This guy did something with the company that his dad started. His innovations seem like both really forward thinking and, and, and uh, prescient and also really provincial because, he, you know, Quebecor was the world's biggest international commercial printer and it went bankrupt. And then he just refocused the whole yeah. business into this, this universe of Quebec and they've got their own s- star system, their own celebrity culture, their own movies, their own publishing. Like reading your piece, like, it was almost just like an aside, but you're like, oh, and by the way, he owns the Quebec's glossy People magazine tabloids, of which there are seven. I couldn't believe that. Yeah, try that in Ontario. You know, there's <laughs> focus. You know, almost entirely. You, you you look at them, and you know, of course, there are the Bradley Coopers. There are the there is the Hollywood sort of star system. Sorry, someone's car alarm's going on, so off right outside my door. You know, there there is the Hollywood star system, but the vast majority of the content in there is of Quebec, as they call them, vedettes, people who are big, huge stars in Quebec and are completely and utterly unknown, could walk down the street in Toronto and not be recognized. Here, they're, you know, they would be mobbed. It's just so staggering. I remember when I lived in Montreal, I went in with this kind of arrogance that I was from Toronto and we were plugged into the world's culture. But really, if you're in the Canadian media, in Anglo-Canadian media, the business is starved and we don't have our own celebrities. But in Quebec, there are millionaires there are superstars and oh yeah all of this seems to funnel through pkp pkp yeah there's sort of two distinct star systems in quebec there's radio canada stars and there's quebec or stars and not to say that they're pitted against one another because they're not there's there is you know there is some movement from one side to the other but when pelado came in he created the quebec or side of the star system with its own shows its own soap operas its own variety shows they have French version of The Voice called La Voix that is, you know, hugely, hugely popular. It's something the audience share for, for a show like La Voix is, it, if you just consider Quebec, is something in the order of, uh, it's like one out of five Quebecers are watching it. That, that is unheard of anywhere else in terms of homegrown content uh, in the rest of the country. 
And it's just, you can't get away from him. You catalog all this. If you write books for Quebec, he owns 16 book publishing houses, as well as the distributor and the retail sales points. Right. Vertical integration. It's uh, what Irving's Irving's did for potatoes and oil in New Brunswick. Pierre Carpellido did with the cultural milieu in Quebec. It's, uh, It's quite a feat. He's making money with his yellow newspaper, the Journal de Montréal, when everybody else in newsprint is is dying. That's still a powerhouse, isn't it? That's still a powerhouse, and you know he he. Uh, it's it's interesting now that he's now that he's a candidate for the PQ, which is sort of traditionally left of center, very union friendly. During his tenure, he was responsible for fourteen union lockouts, and he broke the union uh, in at the Journal de Montréal which was sort of a respite for that sort of type of thinking. I mean, it, it's just astonishing to watch it, to consider, too, that so many of the, of the people in culture in Quebec, whether you write books or you act in movies or you do voiceover work or, you you know, you're in media, anything like this, they're all beholden to him. He's sort of regarded as like this mixture of awe and people are scared of him. They don't much like him. Some people don't like him. Some people are just, you know, there's there, nobody feels indifferent towards this man. Well, let's talk about that because it seems like you had no shortage of challenges in just trying to get people to open up and talk about them. <laughs> yeah. People ask me, you know, why, why did I write that? It, just to put it in context, I wrote a, it was about a 5,000 word piece about him last September. And people were like, well, why'd you write about Pierre Carpellido now? Blah, blah, blah. And some people were like, well, you're anti-Quebec, so you got to vilify our biggest media person. I, I did what a journalist does. I saw this guy. This, he was basically a rich, prickly man that people are scared of. And I mean, if that's not a dare, then I don't know what is. So yeah, I, I went in and I, I tried to speak with uh, lots of people uh, involved with him who've had dealings with him or who are beholden to him in one way or another, paycheck or otherwise. It was very, very difficult. Yeah, I got a lot of hang-ups. I got a lot of people saying, I don't want to say anything, even off the record, because they'll figure out who it is. The few people that did go on the record, uh, I'm very, very happy for. But they're brave souls. They're people that don't, that are sort of beyond his shadow at this point. You know, they're successful enough to be beyond his shadow. But people that are starting off in the industry, certainly on shows on Love Voix, like Love Voix, or people that are getting into singing or acting or anything like that, they would not come close to saying anything bad about them, because they will be blacklisted. You write about a comedian who dared to kind of lightly poke him in a, in a, in a yeah. comedy sketch who was then yeah. blacklisted. Yeah, yeah. A uh, guy named Louis Morissette, probably, he's one of the biggest uh, biggest stars in Quebec. And he, he did a, a sketch on Bye Bye, which is the yearly sort of send-off of the year at, on New Year's Eve. And uh, yeah, he made fun of Pierre Carpellido, and very lightly. And he got blacklisted, or he says he got blacklisted. You know, I talked to Quebec or people, they swear up and down that, no, of course he wasn't blacklisted. There was him, I, I quote Pierre Kersey, who's probably, he's Quebec, one of Quebec's, you know, preeminent actors, and, and also uh, uh, he was a PQ MA. He's one of the few Quebecois movie stars people outside of the province might know because he was in Denis Arcand's films. Correct, exactly, yeah. Uh, who, you know, it was the first time in my life that I've ever spoken to him about anything, something other than language, and it was actually quite refreshing because. Like he, the language he, police, you mean? That's what you usually talk language about? Language police. That's, he's, 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 a, he's a language hawk, and he's very wary of English and all that kind of thing. But it, So the first time I actually got to sit down with him and talk to him about something that wasn't that. And he opposed Pelado's attempt to sort of get government money to build a hockey arena in Quebec City to bring an NHL team. And he resigned from the PQ because the PQ endorsed it. And he says the second that he did that, he was friends with Pierre Carpelido before, and he's not anymore. And he basically said, you know, I don't think I'm going to be doing much work with Quebec or anymore. Yeah. Which, you know, speaks volumes uh, when, when somebody of that stature says that. 
You write that people at other media organizations seem just as afraid of him as, as the people who work for him. Yeah, he's got a heavy hand. I interviewed one, and it was actually going to be my lead, was there's this one columnist who dared write about him. Just to put it in, in context, it was it was a niche publication, very, very small, uh, that he wrote for, and he criticized Pierre Carpellido. Quebecor came down on this guy like crazy for no other reason than the fact that Pellido was, was critiqued in this. So I was like, well, that's my lead, right? Of course, that's, that's what you lead the story with. And then the guy got cold feet because he's writing a book and lo and behold, <laughs> his publisher is Quebecor. So he can't, he was stuck. He's like, no, you can't write about this because I got a book coming. But uh, if I say anything else, my book's not going to come out. Wow. Yeah. As somebody who grew up around Quebecois culture and, and knows your way around, but writes for the Anglo press, did you have a liberty to report on this that Quebecois reporters would be fearful of? I mean, is there any way in which you fear his influence in, in writing the, the story that you did? Not in the least, but, but I'm not beholden to him. You know, I, I work for, uh, I work, for, yeah, as you mentioned, you know, I work for a publication that's not based in Quebec. Uh, and I, and it, that sort of allows me a certain, certain amount of freedom and marge de manoeuvre, as they say in French. But you're right. Uh, I don't think you would have seen this in even his rival publications, something like this, of, of, of this depth. I think some of the people that actually spoke to me on the record might not have been so, uh, so willing to speak to me on the record had, had it been a French publication, for example. And did your piece get noticed by Pierre Carpellado or, or by the French press? Uh, got noticed a lot by the French press. Uh, <laughs> crazy story. It didn't get pecked up in Journal de Montréal at all. Uh, you know, radio silence as far as that was concerned. Yeah. Needless to say that the, the piece was heavily lawyered. Uh, and there was, some, there was some stuff in there that would have been nice to get in that was taken out. Anything you care to share now, now that uh, McLean's lawyers aren't holding you back? Oh, God, no. <laughs> Are you nuts? <laughs> <laughs> he, he is litigious. I mean, uh, yeah, he's uh, he, he can be. He sued one of the Radio Canada executives, uh, Sylvain La France, when Sylvain La France dared to go on radio and, and suggest that he was behaving like a madman. And Pelado brought him to court pretty pretty quickly, and they ended up settling. And oddly enough, Sylvain La France was one of the guys that didn't want to talk to me about the whole situation. Right. The majority of his profitable businesses, or almost all of them, are concentrated in Quebec. But he started the Sun News Network. <laughs> He's the guy behind. He owns the Sun paper chain, and you know Fox News North. That's that's PKP. Yeah, as Canadian as you are, or whatever the whatever the the the, the tagline was for Sun upon its launch. Uh, I guess it was in 2011. Some people said, "Oh, well, that's that's just that he's a savvy businessman and his ideology doesn't get in the way of, of a good business opportunity." But Sun TV is a shitty business opportunity. C can you explain to me? I mean, nobody watches that. It's it's not a successful business, as far as I know. The ratings are terrible. Yeah. What is the point? What's he doing there? What was he doing? There? Uh, I, I think it was a way to to expand the the Sun News brand. Uh, and I think it was a bit of a gamble in the sense that if, if the CRTC gave it a must-carry, then it would, by sort of by definition, be profitable because people would have to pay for it. Don't forget that he had a huge or has or had a huge grudge against Radio-Canada and CBC. Uh, and this might have been a volley to sort of counter what he saw as a left-wing bias at CBC and Radio-Canada. Because, of course, Brian Lilly on Sun TV has just sort of made it his business to go after the CBC at every opportunity. Yeah, but that, that's, inter that's actually an interesting point, though, because so, so he had this open feud with CBC and Radio-Canada for something in the order of like five or six years. He couldn't stand it. Like it was, it, you, you, if you saw him, it was, he was practically sweating his hatred towards CBC and Radio-Canada. 
What was that about? I, I know he claimed that they, they they refused to advertise in his in his publications and his newspapers. Well, yeah, but that was that was just sort of a, an aside. He he basically has a problem with state funded television. He doesn't like the fact that taxpayer money goes to pay for the CBC and Radio Canada, which is a perfectly fine opinion to have. He perpetuated that opinion in his own media properties. So he went after the CBC for a long time. Had about a four year campaign and a battle with Hubert uh, Lacroix, president of the CBC. All of a sudden, he sort of came to a content deal slash arrangement with the CBC for the Olympics for the World Cup. I believe it was in Brazil. And lo and behold, in the Sun News and on Sun News Network, the attacks against CBC didn't entirely stop, but they slowed down drastically. You, you, you counted. I counted. Yes, I, I, I found I, I did. a, a Yeah, I counted. And it went. So down. during the war, during PKP's war with the CBC in, in 2011, you've got 19 stories that are sort of CBC money drain stories in his newspapers. Afterwards, you counted two. Yeah. So, I mean, that's really relevant because that seems to suggest that there's a really concrete relationship between his business interests and the opinions and coverage in the media that he controls. Yeah, and you know, I'm not even saying I don't even think that it's Pierre Carpelito going, you know, calling up Brian Lilly and going, "Hey, Brian, you got to do this." I think it's basically he does the big moves. For example, he he makes a content sharing deal with Radio Canada, and I think it's basically unspoken to the people directly underneath them, so middle and upper management, to sort of interpret what that means as to what's going to happen in his newspapers. Uh, I think that's basically how it works. His uh, his mentor Brian Mulroney said that there is a total segregation since since uh, Pelado has left Quebecor ostensibly in order to run for the PQ. Mulroney said there's a total segregation between Mr. Pelado's decision and the running of Quebecor. That sounds like horseshit. Is that horseshit? The fact remains is the guy owns nearly $700 million worth of Quebecor stock. Anybody who owns that much stock in a company is going to be seen or, or will at least have some sort of influence over what's happening in those media properties. It's it's undeniable. Especially if it's a soft influence, like you suggest, like people just kind of know which way the wind is blowing and they adjust their editorial accordingly. Well, exactly. And, and you know, yesterday was, was a good example. You know, the Peloton news was all over the place. La Presse, uh, Soleil in Quebec City, Globe and Mail, even National Post, the Montreal Gazette. Pelado wasn't even, there was a mention of Pelado on the cover, there was, but there was, it was a story about suntanning or something like this. Like, it, it's, it's, it's not, and again, I'm not saying that Pierre Carpelado called up the editor, Danny Doucette of the Journal de Montréal and said, okay, don't, don't put this on today, do it tomorrow. I just think it's an interpretation. It's the way that people think that he would want things to happen. I mean, looking at Journal de Montréal as his mission control, as like, you know, the, at the core of his, of his messaging... To what extent, I mean, like this is a, I love a good yellow paper and this is a sensationalist tabloid, you know, yellow newspaper, uh, separatist, nationalist, patriotic, seems really geared towards like a, like a blue collar reader in mind. Yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's a bit more nuanced than that. He doesn't, it's, it's not entirely blue collar anymore. That's, that, that's where it has its roots. It does have bigger readership and that's something that Mr. Pelado is probably responsible for. It is worth saying too that they have some of the more outspoken Federalist columnists in, uh, in Quebec. I'm thinking of Benoit Aubin who runs the editorial pages. I'm thinking of Lise Ravary who you know, is, is one of their big star uh, columnists who you know, drives a lot of page views there. So it's not to say that it's entirely separatist and I think there's a, certainly a, there is a nationalist if not a pickiest bent there. 
but it's not entirely put it this way. I don't think it's as sovereignist as La Presse's Federalist. Right. Marty, on this, I defer to you completely. I was just, uh, I was thinking of something you wrote actually about how old Federalists get appointed to the Senate and uh, old separatists get columns in Journal de Montréal. That's right. (laughs) Well, yeah, and that's, and that's, that's true. And that's Emily Dubreuil from Radio Canada who told me that. And that that remains true. Uh, uh, Jacques Parizeau had a column there. Uh, Bernard Landry had a column there until the lockout a few years ago. Uh, Gilles Duceppe has a column there. Lise, Lise Payette used to have a column there. All these old separatists all have or had have uh, columns there, including uh, there's a uh, Jacques Lanteau who writes for them online. And Jacques Lanteau is a convicted FLQ bomber. Jesus Christ. I'm just trying to circle this square of how the same guy who's got Journal de Montréal has Sun News TV. But maybe maybe it, it, it's not so confusing. I mean, both are like populist plays to the, the common guy, the common reader, the common viewer. Both are very patriotic, just for different countries, one that doesn't exist. I mean, maybe Pierre-Carl Pelodeau has figured out what unites the common working man in, in, in Calgary with the common working man in Quebec. That's a shtick, yeah. Yeah, and, it, and uh, I mean, you know, there's there's... A lot of people outside of Quebec were saying, you know, who work for some papers, and I'm thinking of one person in particular, who's saying, oh, God, he's never told me what to write, you know, blah, 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 whereas, you know, uh, the National Post was always told me what to write or what I couldn't write and all this kind of thing. The fact remains is that Pierre Carpellido does not really care. If you're an English journalist working for Quebec or outside of Quebec, Pellido cares even less about you than the average person. If you write for Quebec or and you're French and you live in Quebec, it's another story entirely. Uh, yeah, he pays way more attention to his French media titles than he does his English media titles. Right. I mean, I guess those are the waters that he's swimming in. Exactly. It's its own culture, and it's it's weird. It's a big culture, and it's a thriving culture, and yet it's small in the sense that you know we're a population of like uh, you know eight or nine million people. It's 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 uh, it's it's another contradiction. There's so many contradictions. I mean, this is a guy who changed his middle name from Carl with a C to Carl with a K out of reverence for Karl Marx. Yeah. If Sun News viewers knew that the guy who ran the place was uh, named after named himself after Karl Marx, that might be a bit of a shocker. Yeah, and it, not quite as much of a shocker as the guy who runs Sun News is the star candidate for the Parti Québécois. All right, let's talk about that. We, let's talk about Yeah, let's talk about that. That, that, was, that was quite something. And like he was denying that, like outright, I will not run. I mean, that's people are cagey about that before they run, but it's it's rare for somebody just to completely lie about it so so soon before they jump in the ring. He demonstrably lied about it, and uh, newspaper and all props to a student newspaper writer McGill called the Port Arthur Herald back uh, about three months ago got a source within the PQ to say that he was going to be running in, in Saint-Jérôme and uh, Martin Tremblay of Quebec or said, this is absolutely false. These people are, you know, they're, they're out to lunch. This newspaper says it's completely untrue. He has no intention of running in any election, blah, blah, blah. The other thing interesting too is that, you know, he came out and said, you know, I am a separatist and I'm in this to, to form a new country uh, and I want a new country for my kids and all that. He donated three, you know, if you go to the Quebec uh, uh, donation records for the, like the uh, Quebec electoral office, he donated donated three thousand dollars to to the liberal party of canada not not five five years ago and didn't donate to the pq so figure that out three thousand dollars within the last five years yeah it, that which is the, which which was the maximum amount an individual could give so he gave all his money to the liberal party of quebec and gave none to the pq and this is the guy that's now saying oh we i want my own country it, it boggles the mind 
I guess it does, or or it's just very, it's exactly what it seems, which is that this is just absolutely cynical opportunism, and there's no ideology or, or you know belief system behind it. Except he can't go back on it anymore. You, you, he spent his career being ambiguous on the national question, you know, federalist or sovereignist, and that worked out very well for him. Obviously, as we as we can all see, coming out as he did the other day, you can't get back into the closet now. If yeah. for whatever reason, let's let's pretend for a second that he doesn't get elected, or it's a very real possibility that PQ doesn't form a majority government, he's got to go back to being a businessman, and now he's got to wear the fact that he declared himself a sovereignist, pure and simple, right in front of in the cameras. So why did he assume that risk? What, what's he playing at? I mean, th- this guy has achieved so much. Is this his big goal in life to to, to get elected into office? You know, I talked to Mulroney about that, and he was he was sure he was never going to run for uh, for office, much less the Parti Québécois. I think Mr. Pelado is impulsive, uh, and I think he's restless. And I think he sees in the PQ now the possibility of that party winning and wants to get on the right uh, right side of history. It's been quite something. You know, you'd, you'd assume that an anti-union guy would would have uh, the PQ base up in arms. Uh, SPQ Lib, which is the the sort of one of the clubs within Parti Québécois, uh, they have political clubs like like different little groups, and this group represents union members. And the two leaders of that came out and endorsed his candidacy. Like, and I, I quote somebody in in, in uh, the piece I wrote this week: there is a sense among Quebec sovereignists that this is the last shot, so we might as well hold our nose and endorse someone like Pierre Carpelado if we can get to our dream. Well, let's talk about that last shot because, I mean, the, the greater relevance for Canada here, for people who don't necessarily pay that much attention to uh, provincial politics in Quebec, is that the PQ has long had a big problem when it comes to the economy and business, that it seems like they didn't give a damn and a lot of people would never vote for them, even people who were separatists in their hearts because yeah. they, they feared economic ruin. This is said to give credibility to the PQ as, in terms of what kind of an economic force an independent Quebec would, would be. And if there is a majority government, is PKP's candidacy going to lead us to the next referendum? I mean, just in terms of the economic worries of Quebecers, you know, Yes, there are people that would probably vote yes, except, you know, like being in Canada because economically it's, it's quite stable. You take someone like PKP, he becomes a trademark. He's like, the PQ is able to say, uh, hey, if anybody criticizes the PQ and says, hey, look, your economic record's terrible, they're like, no, look, Pierre Carpellido's here. You know, it allows him to do that, at least in the short term. In the, in the medium to long term, Pellido is going to be very, very difficult to handle if they get elected to a majority government, he doesn't really like having bosses, and he's probably going to act on his own. It'd be, be a bit of a rogue agent. The PQ could very well end up back into Gong Show territory, where they've ended up every every time they've uh, they've taken office, or they've lost office, or they've lost a referendum. It's really quite something. The, the prospect of him having other interests at play, this is a guy who has not just his business interests in Quebec, as we mentioned, he's launching a foray. I've been covering this wireless uh, war in Canada for years. Yeah. Who, who's yeah. going to be the fourth player to come shake up the telecom oligarchy in Canada? And lo and behold, in the last auction, it was Pelado. It, it was Videotron. That bought up, they, they bought up all the spectrum in the rest of Canada, and they, and they want to come and compete. Yeah. But the interesting thing now is that he's made a career basically out of being ambiguous on the national question. All of a sudden, he's not. 
he's not anymore. And Bay Street has noticed that. You know, uh, will he have the will he have the same avenues? Will he have the same contacts now that he's basically said that he wants to tear Canada apart? I highly, highly doubt it. Is this emotional for him? Like I was reading that when the English banks in Canada refused to bail him out when Quebecor uh, Printing International went under, yeah, he w- he felt rejected by English Canada, and now he's he's retreated back into Quebec. He's built his his empire there, and now it's like fuck it, I'm with separation. Oh, whatever. I don't know. I think him being put off by that kind of thing, or saying that he's put off by that kind of thing, is probably as much a business move as it is emotional. You know, he did the same thing when he tried to buy the the Canadians with uh, Fond FTQ, which is the uh, one of the u- union funds, uh, financial funds here in Quebec, and obviously he lost out to Bell and, and the Molsons. And then came out in the media and said, you know, uh, it's a shame because uh, uh, the Montreal Canadiens will lose some of their Quebecness or whatever, whatever the term was that he used. You know, Molsons have been here for hundreds of years. Their fact is, is that they're English, right? That's a calculated thing on his part. He's playing on the emotions of Quebecers, their wariness, their historical wariness of old English money. Is that emotional or is that business? I would say it's probably more business. And I think he knows exactly what he's doing. So uh, ideology, emotion, beliefs, no, like he's a tactician. I mean, he can act impulsively, but you think he's essentially a tactician. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think he's a total tactician, except it when it comes to this thing. If you would have told me Saturday before that he announced that he was a PQ candidate, I wouldn't have been all that surprised. If you had told me that he was a PQ candidate who came out and said that he wants to have his own country and, and wants to build a, you know, a, a separate Quebec and have a separate Quebec for his, for his kids, I would have told you you were crazy. P, the PQ is is uh, is marvelous at pushing Quebec nationalism, but when it comes to actually outright separation from Canada, they generally keep quiet because they know that they they have soft federalists, soft nationalist votes to win in the next election. Pierre Carpelado basically set fire to that textbook uh, last Sunday. Is he going to win? Uh, yeah, I think he will. The recruitment of Pierre Carpelado was a pretty much a stroke of political genius on the part of the PQ. That's your Canada Land Show. I hope you enjoyed it. You can email me at jesse at jessebrown.ca. I read everything you send. I write back when I can. I'm on Twitter at Jesse Brown. The website can be found at canadalandshow.com. New stuff going up there all the time. And the next episode of this podcast will be up on Monday. If you like Canada Land, recommend it. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.